and welcome back to the m2 podcast hope everybody's doing well this is the show where we cover your esports and personalities some gaming news industry related news and some upcoming games with a little bit of technology and innovation hope everybody's doing well this week um just curious anybody get the xbox series x that launched last week the ps5 also launched hopefully you guys were some of the lucky ones to actually get the new consoles and i hope they're working great for you and you're happy with your purchase anyways we're back to a normal schedule last week was a little bit hectic we came out a little bit late on our episode but this time right on time on tuesday anyways so today we're going to be covering skill-based matchmaking in Technically, Nade Shot brought up a, a call to arms, if you will, talking to Treyarch and basically saying you need to dial back on the skill-based matchmaking for uh, COD Black Ops Cold War. Um, we'll dabble a little bit more into some video game prices are going up for the first time in 15 years. Microsoft recently announced that their Xbox Series X and S are experiencing shortages and you might not be able to get one until next year. And we'll also go ahead and dive in a little bit to 343 Industries and Halo Infinite. But first, I'm going to go ahead and dive into Twitch and how they basically followed up on their Twitch DMCA drama that's been going on on their platform. It's kind of difficult to actually talk about where to start this story or where to pick up from where we last off. So it's best to just give like an overall rundown of what happened. So back in May, the record companies or the uh, the major record companies were basically sending out a few few uh, DMCA strikes here and there to creators. But over the last couple of months, what ended up happening is that they're sending thousands upon thousands per week to major streamers and honestly just anybody that has a following on Twitch that's playing copyrighted music. So what ended up happening now is that Twitch, that they wanted all their creators to delete all their VODs and all their clips just so they can be sure that they're not going to be attacked um, or targeted for DMCA claims or strikes. Now, what ended up happening is everybody went ahead and did that. Some of them were able to archive some of their most popular clips, some of their uh, most popular VODs, and they were able to store them on a database or move them over to like YouTube or another uh, platform where they have a better uh, notification process or verification process that the music is actually copyrighted or copyright free and that they can avoid these types of claims before they even have like they ever happen now the big problem is is that twitch stored or stores all their vods and clips on a public server so what ends up happening now is that streamers are getting dmca'd for clips and vods that they've deleted because they deleted them on their channel but they're unable to delete it on the public server because only Twitch has admin access to remove those VODs and clips. Which means anybody that's ever been banned ever on Twitch, all their clips, all their VODs are on the server right now. Now that's a huge, huge problem. Something that they need to work out. But in developing news, Twitch wrote a blog post and announced uh, essentially an apology to the streamers for its mishandling of music copyright. And they went ahead and explained why it sent that uh, the email about how everybody needs to delete all their VODs or else they're going to be removed or banned from Twitch due to DMCA's. Now, to be clear, DMCA's have nothing to do with how Twitch runs its own organization. DMCA's is 100% something that's done by the record company and the, uh, the, the music industry overall. 
Now, in the blog post, Twitch was admittedly unprepared for the sudden onslaught of copyright takedowns notices from the music industry that started back in May. And in quotes, until May of this year, streamers received fewer than 50 music-related DMCA's notifications each year. Beginning in May, however, representatives for major record labels started sending thousands of DMCA notifications each week that targeted creators' archives, mostly for snippets of tracks in years-old clips. So, I mean, anything, their entire, like, catalog and, like, history was subject to this. Uh, and Twitch also emphasized they continue to receive large batches of notifications and they don't expect that to slow down which means they do expect the record companies to basically come for them. Now, Twitch confirmed that it had decided to simply remove the targeted clips because that's what's required by law. And it also paused copyright strikes for the three days after the email that they sent back in October. So the company also apologized for only giving creators a mass deletion tool for clips. They should have basically allowed them to target the clips in question that have copyrighted music but I don't think they have that type of software available or readily available. And they also, I'm going to quote the, the blog post. They said, we could have developed more sophisticated user-friendly tools a while ago. That we didn't is on us. That's good. Take an ownership. And they say, and we could have provided creators with a longer time period to address their VOD and clip libraries. That was a miss as well. We're truly sorry for these mistakes and we'll do better. They also said it was working on new tools to help streamers who had been hit with copyright infringement notifications. Uh, they included expanding the use of their technology that detects copyrighted audio and more ways to manage their archive. And the company also promised more control over their audio clips and uh, end up VODs. And it pointed out its new tool, Soundtrack, which might work, might not, about copyright-free music that's allowed to be streamed on Twitch streamers channels when they're broadcasting. So the good news, all in all, uh, it seems that Twitch is recognized their flaws and their mistakes, and it looks like they should be going in the right direction. Hopefully they can get these tools readily available to help out streamers or ex especially super popular streamers or just like the everyday guy that, that's really concerned about whether or not their music is that they're streaming is copyright free or not although they should know, but it's definitely, definitely helpful if they have the tools readily available. Um, this is not a thing really new or groundbreaking type of technology. YouTube has this readily available. I believe Facebook also has this readily available. Uh, I know that MySpace at one point had it readily available. Um, they wouldn't let you play certain songs on their site because it was copyrighted. They knew you didn't own it. So they were like, no, 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 you can't do that. But Anyways, that's just a little side note that hopefully they get it implemented as quickly as possible, and that would be that'd be perfect. Keeping with the story of Twitch, um, it's not all doom and gloom on the website. There are actually a lot of streamers right now that are very prosperous. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is I came across a clickbaity article that had the top ten highest paid Twitch streamers in the world. I thought it might be worth sharing. Um, this list is done by calculating through twitch tracker that used uh they calculated the total subscription revenue of each user and twitch stats to calculate their annual donation income through bits cheers or just regular donations correct so 
the list starts with number one, XQC, which we've talked about a few times on this podcast. He has a an unbelievable amount. 1.984 million. So one million nine hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars a year so far of twenty twenty. Nick Merckx is second, who has one million seven hundred and thirty-seven thousand five hundred and thirty-five dollars. And Ibai, I believe his name is. Um, he is a streamer out of Barcelona, Spain. He has one million three hundred and seventy-three thousand six hundred and five dollars. Um, this is all USD, by the way. And then the list goes on four through ten. You have Oda Block, Tim the Tatman, RN Play, The Real Nasi, Hassan Abi, Ronnie Radke Official, and Castro Ten Twenty One coming in tenth place with nine hundred and sixty-six thousand three hundred eighty-seven dollars. So you're essentially your list goes from tenth place about nine hundred sixty-six thousand all the way to first place, which is one point nine million. Now. Again, this list does not include sponsorships, um, outside, let's say outside uh, merchandise sales, or private con- um, contracts with Twitch themselves. And this list only covers Twitch. Has does not include YouTube or Facebook or any of these other streaming platforms. So it's not all doom and gloom on the website, and. If anybody ever told you that streaming isn't a career, it is definitely a career if you work really hard at it and you're like unique, um, you're a grinder, whatever you could possibly do to get ahead as long as you're authentic to yourself and people like watching you. It's possible for you. And I thought this would be kind of mind-blowing numbers of like, these guys are crushing it. So, but let's go ahead and move on to another topic of Nate Shot calls on Treyarch to dial back skill-based matchmaking in COD Black Ops Cold War. So Nateshot is or was a professional Call of Duty player. He is also a super popular streamer, but most importantly and foremost, he is the CEO of 100 Thieves, which is probably one of the more successful organizations right now. And he essentially called out Treyarch, which is one of the creators of Call of Duty, and basically told them, that they need to reduce the skill-based matchmaking, aka MMR, which is multi, I think it's matchmaking rank. Yeah, MMR, matchmaking rank. Um, The idea is, is you need to scale it back to avoid pushing players and content creators away. If you don't know what MMR is, uh, or skill-based matchmaking, there's a formula that came out probably around 2010 called True Skill, and then I believe 2013 or 2014, it might have even been 2015. I'm not exactly sure when, but it was in the mid 2010s. It's called uh, the second rendition of it, True Skill, True Skill 2.0. And the idea is, is that every game that you play, you get a hidden rank based on your skill. So if you have a really, really good game, the next game that you have, you're gonna pair up with better players. Basically making every single game more and more competitive and kind of a sweat fest if you play shooters Uh, you've experienced this anytime you've played any modern shooter um, any modern competitive game in social mode not just ranked so his main concern is skill-based matchmaking in unranked playlists so his idea is and this is what he said I know you're probably tired of hearing about skill-based matchmaking, but I truly believe it is imperative that Treyarch dials back the difficulty of lobbies. 
we're going to drive so many big creators away. These games have been no joke. And he also stated that he does not mind playing against players at a similar skill level, but prefers a ranking system that tells him where he stands globally. If you're a content creator, you want to get the best collaterals, the the best multi-kills, the, the coolest like angles, shots, 360 no-scopes. And it's really, really difficult to do that against people. I, I don't want to say people that are like super good, but perhaps people that are of the same skill as you, it becomes increasingly more difficult. Now, the game is basically designed so that, or this true skill and MMR is basically designed so that the games are evenly matched and you don't have crazy lopsided games and destroy the other team or get destroyed yourself depending on your skill level. So that's the idea of where it comes from. But if you're a content creator and you're just looking for the clips, this is really challenging. And the other thing is, is if you're a gamer like I am, where there are nights where I just want to chill on the couch, lay back, like roll up in a Snuggie, you know, and just like play on a controller and just chill. But because my MMR is so high, because I played really, really good yesterday or the day a week ago, last time I was logged in, the games are going to be super, super intense and super competitive. And like, sometimes you're just not in the mood for that. So I 100% relate to what this man's saying. Another note in a game like Call of Duty is you do want to mess around with your random like guns because the game you're constantly unlocking new guns and new attachments and everything's a new experience. That's what keeps people playing the game is like the unlockables that you get. But if you're over here crushing one game really, really hard and you're doing really, really well and you unlock this new like SMG and you don't know what the recoil is and you just want to give it a shot. If you go and you like try the new gun out and you go into a social lobby to play, your MMR from before is going to come kick in and basically be like, this guy did really well last game, so let's pair him up with people of similar skill. So you have a new gun, which gives you a huge disadvantage because you don't understand it yet, going against people that basically played like you did last, last game. And that's not going to be a good experience. You're just going to get thrashed. Um, unless you're like god tier and you just know how to shoot every gun ever and you're a natural shooter overall but you know sometimes these games don't need to be super intense sometimes you just want to go in have fun or play with your friends or 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 somebody of like lower rank that you know really well you just want to relax so it's a problem that i think the gaming industry needs to solve but for the meantime true skill or this skill-based matchmaking is not going to go away anytime soon it's going to be in pretty much every modern day game and i'm sure some of you if this is your first time ever hearing about it if you played like rocket league and socials if you play uh call of duty is recent to adapt it but if you play halo or i believe gears of war also has it i'm sure you know what i'm talking about now when you go into social games and it's just crazy competitive and you don't understand why it's like sometimes social feels like it's ranked and when you go into ranked it doesn't even feel like ranked anymore it's really weird anyways i I digress a little bit all right so moving a little bit away from the whole esports and personalities and more back into the uh the gaming industry related news bloomberg of all places wrote an article that Video game prices are going up for the first time in 15 years. 
the article goes along and basically says the $60 video game dates back to at least the 1990s. Rarely has a game exceeded that price threshold in three decades since, even as inflation drove the dollar's value to nearly half of what it was in the days of the Super Nintendo. This week, video game publishers will press ahead with an industry-wide effort to raise the standard price to $70. The move coincides with the debut of two new game consoles from Microsoft and Sony and a generational change that comes every seven years or so. There's one complicating factor, an economic crisis that has doubled unemployment in the U.S. from levels before the coronavirus pandemic. So inside the publishing houses, a price hike has been plotted and dissected by executives for years. They point to inflation, as well as ballooning costs to develop AAA games, as justification. At one point, Sony discussed going even higher before settling on $70. Many of the game executives requested to be anonymous, apparently because they recognized the move is unpopular. In many cases, companies won't acknowledge the fee increase, saying only that prices will vary by title. Now, this is not really a shock for me. Um, I've looked into this before. I've looked into like inflation and stuff like that. So uh, a good reference point 15 years ago would be 2005. $60 in 2005, 60 USD in 2005 with inflation is worth about $80 even in 2020. So the value, the actual number value of 60 should increase. Now, I'm not necessarily sure I could agree with the publishers stating that they need to raise the cost of the the initial game price because of uh, AAA titles costing more. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that because we have Activision Blizzard, which we covered in previous episodes, doing record-breaking profits you have ea selling insane amount of games and insane amount of microtransactions in their games so there are other ways for these developers to make money i think they're just trying to justify the entry level into the game before people pay extra for the microtransactions it seems like a greedy move to me as a consumer but at the same time i do understand moving the value of 60 to 80 really they're settling on 70 which is somewhat of a compromise right that's only an increase of what like 16 percent at most that's not that big of a deal but i i can understand how people would be upset one one more thing i do want to mention when it comes to these development companies and these AAA titles and publishers um the the talent pool is becoming way more competitive which means that you need to pay people more to work for you. So that is definitely going to be a development cost, more so now than ever, because most people, well, I shouldn't say most people per se, I should say that there are way more developers and there are way more computer programmers and artists and more people working in this industry than they were 15 years ago. And with more developers, more competition, you need to pay people what they're due. So that's only going to drive up the overall cost of these AAA titles. So I do understand that. But again, there are other ways to make money aside from charging an entry level. Like a lot of games now, I mean, one of the most profitable game, I think right now is really of all time, is Fortnite. And that's a free-to-play game. And at one point they were making like 
$1 million a week just based on microtransactions. So it's, it's just one other thing. So in other related uh, gaming industry news, Microsoft has announced that they expect the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S shortages to continue until next year. Um, the Xbox chief financial officer, Tim Stewart, at a conference announced that the supply shortages are likely to head into a post-holiday quarter, so Microsoft's Q3 or the calendar Q1. This is largely due to the, the growing pandemic that is now, uh, as of this date, spiking. So who knows if the supply chain will be met for their schedule and what they're predicting. Um, one of the things that a couple of articles have mentioned is Phil Spencer talking to The Guardian. And he said something that I found really interesting. And in between the war between, it's not even war, it's like competition between uh, PlayStation and Xbox. He said, I think the people who want to pit us against Sony based on who sold the most consoles lose the context of what gaming is about today. There are 3 billion people who play games on the planet today, but maybe only 200 million households that have video game consoles. In a way, the console space is becoming a smaller and smaller percentage of the overall gaming pie. So there are two things to take away from this. Um, first and foremost, obviously, my my prediction and what my thoughts were that Microsoft are essentially moving entirely away from the console. Like this might be the last console that they actually have and going over into cloud gaming to mobile gaming and all this other stuff seems to be true just based on that comment right there. Um, the other thing is, is that you can't really compare Microsoft and Sony anymore because Sony has been, it seems entirely console based. They're not really moving anything over to PC or mobile games or anything like that. I mean, some of the developers that they've signed have done that, but those same developers also have the ability to play on Microsoft products as well. Uh, the other topic is the supply chain problem that both Sony, PS5, and the Xbox Series X consoles are having to deal with right now is partially due to the pandemic, but could it possibly be due to the fact that Microsoft isn't putting that much of a strong emphasis on building a console now? Um, at least that's, that's my interpretation of why Xbox is having to postpone everything and they have shortages for the manufacturing bit of everything uh, on the consoles. So we'll, we'll see how that develops. Um, there are several exclusives, well not exclusives, but just main titles that are going to be coming to the Xbox, but they've also been delayed. Uh, one of which is Halo Infinite, which has been having several rough patches recently. So with Halo Infinite um, being developed by 343 Industries after taking it over from Bungie for the essentially the start of Halo 4 and 5, um, it's been a bit of a rocky road. They've seen one of their directors, their creative directors, Chris Lee, leave. They've also had a couple of other developers leaving. There's been talks about the story and the campaign not meshing properly together, and that there's an overall lack of vision, and there's been a bit of a turnover. Um, the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, who we just mentioned a few moments ago, he was speaking to GameSpot about these turnovers. And one of the things that he said when he was pressured about the topic, he said that he doesn't have any specific concern about 343 Industries. And he actually thinks in the long run, turnover is a healthy thing because we want people who are really motivated by the things that they're working on. 
and he ended up continuing. Sometimes what hits the press or when certain things get announced internally have actually happened months before. It's not always accurate when these things line up. We did take the feedback coming out of the July showcase event seriously, both on the date and what people were expecting from the game. It was a miss on our part, on my part, to open our July showcase with Halo Infinite and then a couple of weeks later have to move the date. He continues, I don't take the sentiment and the emotion of our fans and our customers lightly. We set an expectation that here, this is something you're going to have at launch. And then when we have to change the expectation, not too much after our showing, that's a mistake. So Microsoft recently bought, uh, so Microsoft recently brought on Bungie veteran Joseph Staten to head up development in Halo Infinite's campaign. And though Spencer didn't specifically touch on his involvement, he did end up talking about um, Bonnie Ross. So what he says is, so I really have a lot of faith in Bonnie Ross and the team there having Joe Staten and Pierre uh, Henze join, which they did late in the summer. I feel good about where we are on the team, he added. As Spencer said, however, the reputation and the reception to Infinite's gameplay reveal was not very kind and it prompted 343 to retreat and promise to work on visuals and presentation. So Halo Infinite was essentially supposed to come out in November with the launch of the Xbox Series X. It has been postponed and there's currently no release date. That is a bit concerning. Now, if you've been following this game or the development of this game on the forums and the news, the 343 Industries has been pretty locked up about Halo Infinite. They haven't really talked about what's been going on, where, what type of direction they're taking the game or anything. Really, what's been going on, or all the fans really know, is that there's been two trailers, I believe, maybe a third teaser, but that doesn't really count. Um, a little bit of gameplay that kind of hints about what's going on. There's some like Easter eggs that you can find in uh, drops in their blog posts that are weekly, but overall they haven't really said anything. Now, since the change of losing a couple of creative directors, the postponing of the game, Microsoft execs essentially becoming more involved with the studio, they've, they've announced a formal, uh, how would you say, uh, an update for Halo Infinite that should be coming soon. So 343 Industries Community Director Brian Gerard has stated that the developers are going to try and provide a quote, high level update regarding Halo Infinite in the coming weeks. Now, because the game's not gonna be released this year, the game of course will not be um, be at the Game Awards in 2020. The, the goal of their update is apparently to restart the journey together uh, with the developer aiming to be more transparent and open with fans moving forward. So it sounds like they're gonna do an entire reset on the overall uh, marketing campaign for Halo Infinite and be more transparent, get get community feedback because they really need this game to be a success. And I think the best way that they can have success with the game is definitely to get the fans involved. Talk to them in the forums. Maybe you, you don't even have to like get their insight. Just like, hey, just let them know what to expect. Um, we've, we already know that Halo Infinite is supposed to be a decade-long project and game. Um, it's going to be mostly like cloud-based or like constant updates. It's going to be on all platforms pretty much. And constant community updates. What, what is it? Constant uh, uh, DLCs and 
yeah, we'll just we'll just have to see how the game turns out. I have high hopes for it. Hopefully, it continues on the story. Um, hopefully, it's a competitive based game, uh, or at least have it has elements towards a competitive based game. But I gotta tell you, with the uh, the Rocky development that's been going on the last year, that's been coming to light, it it doesn't look promising. But you still gotta hold hope. You really do. And I believe that is a good point to wrap it up. This has been episode 10 of the M2 podcast. I have been your host, Mad Mike. If you'd like to reach out to me, I am on all social media platforms. My handle is at Mad Mike Lichu. The U is the letter U, all one word. Feel free to reach out. Again, at Mad Mike Lichu. Um, feel free to join the Discord. We're trying to talk about these discussions readily. Um, could use community members get more people involved i'd really appreciate that if you made it this far truly love the fact that you're still listening you're subscribed you're following absolutely appreciate it and yeah overall hope you guys have a wonderful week i'll catch you next time and hope you guys get lucky and get one of those consoles that are on uh, the shortages anyways Matt mike out peace